Welcome to Female Empowered, a podcast for female fitness and wellness professionals and business owners looking for real talk about the ins and outs of the industry. I'm Krista Gurka, an accidental entrepreneur turned founder and CEO of a multi-million dollar health and wellness business. In this podcast, I'll be sharing expert insights and having real conversations about what it means to show up, thrive, and of course, get paid. We'll talk about what works, what doesn't, and what really happens behind the scenes of a client-based business. All so you can take away sound advice and actionable steps that help you become a more successful and confident business owner, all on your own terms. So let's dive in. Hey there, folks, and welcome to another edition of Female Empowered with myself, Krista Gurka. I am so happy that you're here today sharing another episode with me. So thank you for that. Today, we're going to talk all about your competitors and what you can learn from them to improve your business. We all know that here in America, especially, competition is the backbone of American industry, and it provides framework for business growth, entrepreneurship, and capitalism. Learning from failures and successes of our competitors is a built-in boost for our company, saving us time, saving us resources, and saving us money in the long run. Personally, I see my competition as a bar set for me to jump over. I really do. I also believe I'm a big believer and that there is enough business to go around, especially with over 300 million people in the United States alone. So I'm not really threatened by my competition. I am in a high marketplace, a high population area in Miami, Florida, probably within my location, couple miles within both my locations. Um, We have several, several Pilates studios, yoga studios, other physical therapy practices. And to be honest, to a lot of them, I'm friends with them. I'm friendly with them. We are colleagues. I consider them friends and I don't really consider them competition. They do keep me on my toes. And I believe that somebody once told me as I was coming up, you know, find a niche and be really, really good at it. And that's how I've built my business, by understanding really who our customers are, how they think, how they feel, building a niche and being really, really good at it. And I encourage all of you to do that. It will basically competition-proof your business, if that's even a word or a phrase. I'm not sure if it is. Um, So let's see. This is one of the topics that I really hear a lot when we go to conferences or when we're on Facebook forums, which sometimes I just can't be on those anymore because some of the, you know, infighting in there is just awful. But especially in the Pilates industry, I'm always hearing things like, that's not real Pilates. What are you doing? The battle between classical, contemporary, it truly makes me crazy. In the physical therapy world, people poo-pooing, you know, kinesio tape or rock tape versus myofascial release versus craniosacral therapy. And the truth of the matter is, if all of us spent less time focusing on what's wrong with our competitors and focus instead on what's good about our business and the results we get, our industries as a whole 
would be much more successful. I like to tell people, use what your competitors are doing as a way to differentiate yourself from them. Instead of trying to fight it, saying that's wrong or bad or whatever, nobody's got time to waste on that energy. I don't have time to waste on that energy. My energy, my focus is on creating the best business, the best experience, the best environment in my business for my customers, because that's truly all I can control. All I can control is what I do. All I can control is what I put out there. I can't control whether my customers buy from me. I can't inevitably control whether they stay. And so it's truly a waste of time and energy to spend focusing on what everyone else is doing. Consumers out there have the right to choose what it is that they like. If they like CrossFit, they should go to CrossFit. If they like going to a boot camp, they should do boot camp. If they like aerial yoga or Zumba or being at home on the Peloton, whatever it is, they are going to do what makes them feel good and what speaks and resonates and aligns with them the most. And to be perfectly honest, if we really care about other people's health and wellness, we should want everyone to find something they like and enjoy and stick with it for their overall health and well-being. As a society, if we all become healthier, it will benefit all of us in the long run. And one thing I'd like to say to business owners, and this is a big mindset shift for you all, and it was for me, because someone chooses another niche another exercise format, or maybe even within the same niche, but another company that does not make us less than as a business. Because someone chooses yoga, it does not make Pilates less worthy. If someone chooses Pilates Studio A, it doesn't make you Pilates Studio B less worthy. It's simply a choice that that consumer is making. And really, by understanding more about why consumers make certain choices will really open up a world of opportunity and possibility for you. It's really why we talk about, I cannot remember right now what the episode was, where we really talk about the importance of understanding who your ideal customer is, how they think, how they feel and how they come to really make their buying decisions. If you're interested, we can probably look it up in the show notes what that episode was, but I really, really encourage business owners. It's a step a lot of us skip over. I skipped over it for probably five or six years. It's a really valuable lesson, and I'm always, always trying to figure out more, dive deeper into the subconscious of my customers so that I can make the best possible experience for them and have the kind of impact I want on their lives, which will eventually have impact on my life. I've also created the Ideal Customer Avatar Intensive, which was part of that episode. So like I said, we'll go ahead and link that up in the show notes. more of your best clients coming in your doors? Are you tired of working with patients or clients who don't mesh with your style or who complain about your rates? It helps to know who your ideal customer is and what it is they really need from you so that you can connect with, book, and help more of those people. But knowing who they are and what they need requires a bit of thinking and researching. 
And they didn't teach us this in physical therapy, nutrition, massage school, or any Pilates or yoga training. That's why I created the Ideal Customer Intensive. It's for female healthcare and wellness professionals just like you. This guide breaks down exactly how to define your ideal customer, how to research their needs and wants with a market survey, and how to find your unique way of serving them. You can check it all out at kristagurka.com slash ICA. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-A-G-U-R-K-A dot com slash I-C-A. I hope you'll check it out. Now I'm going to basically give you the five ways I believe we can learn a lot from our competitors and how this can provide opportunity and possibilities for our own businesses. Number one. If you operate a brick and mortar location, find out who offers those same services within a determined radius. Now, based on where you are, you're going to want to know the radius your customers will travel. So if you're in a high dense city population, they might not travel outside of a two mile radius. If you're in a more spacious or rural area, some people might travel 10 or 15 miles to get to a place. So it's important to know this about your customers. So determine, check out other studios or gyms or businesses that offer similar services to you within a predetermined radius that you think your customers would visit. Then go visit these studios. Go in as a customer and a client. There's nothing wrong with checking out your competition. How were you greeted? Check out, note your first impressions of the establishment. What stood out as surprising, good or bad? What were the set, what studio setups? How were, how was the flow? Did they bring everyone into one door and out another door? Now with COVID at the time of this recording, that's really nice for some people. If you have two entrances into the classroom in one way, out the other way. Compare what you see, hear, and feel to your own studio space. Everyone's experience will be slightly different. We all know that people make buying decisions based on how they feel. Whether the consumer realizes that or not, most buying decisions are made on a subconscious level. So understanding how the first impression process is for customers is really integral to your business. Right, Because then if they visit this place and had a really supreme first impression experience and then come to visit your place, I believe we spoke about this in one episode also, they're always going to compare their experience in your establishment with an experience they had somewhere else. So how can you set yourself apart from that? Then I love doing random check-ins at my own business where I'll have somebody who doesn't know our staff, who maybe not doesn't even know me that well, I will ask them to come in as a first client and do everything from schedule online or try to get in touch with us via social media, come in for a first visit. And then I have a questionnaire that I give to them that basically asks them question after question after question. How were they greeted? What was the setup like? Was it confusing? How was it to negotiate the website or navigate the website? Was it easy to schedule? How was the instructor in the class? Did they talk to you about coming back when you were done? There's all sorts of things. And I don't use this 
to spy on my team. I use it to figure out where the kinks in the chain are so that we can improve it and do it better. A lot of times when you are in autopilot and we're doing the same thing over and over, sometimes we miss things that other people find important to them because we've just been doing it for so long. So it's great to get another set of eyes on there so they can tell you, hey, it was a little clunky trying to schedule. I couldn't figure out how to get from the website to the scheduler, or it was really hard for me to find parking, or I couldn't really find your establishment because the sign wasn't big enough. All things like that, that you can document and see if you can make upgrades to that to make the customer experience better for your clients. Things cannot be improved. I think what's the saying? What's measured is improved. So if you don't measure your experience or your customer's experience, you'll never be able to improve it. So I am actually very grateful when customers tell me things that they don't like in a kind, gentle way, I would say, because it allows me to take the opportunity to improve it if I am able to, right? There are some things that unfortunately we can't always improve. Um, for, for example, in one of my locations, we don't control the air conditioning because the building does, but we've done as much as we can by closing vents or adding fans, et cetera, et cetera, to try as much as we possibly can to make it a good environment for our staff and clients for that matter. Okay. So number two, the second way you can really learn from your competitors is they can help you find new opportunities in the marketplace. If your competitors, if your peers in the industry are changing, it can provide useful insight into what is happening with both their customers, and this possibly could lead into what's going to happen with your customers and within the industry as a whole. Let's take tech, for example. AI, artificial intelligence, is really becoming huge in our industry and the world. Now, while we may not be able to compete with the big girls on the block like Peloton and Apple and Alexa and Google, et cetera, et cetera, we can start to use some data to make data-driven objective decisions. For example, what brands do your customers love? Do you notice that they frequently wear Athleta or Lulu? What music do they love? What are their values? What do they tell you they are most afraid of when they're in the studio or doing private sessions with you? There's also software out there now that's great for customer retention management, also known as CRM. There's Keep.ai. There's FitPro Tracker. There is, let's see, what's another one? Clavio is one also, HubSpot. These are ways that you can take lead generation and use artificial intelligence to really help engage with your customers on a way that they enjoy, right? So there's lots of software out there that you can utilize if you're up to that, but a real grassroots way to just be able to get some intelligence on your customers is just to pay attention, pay attention to what they say to you. Pay attention to what they're wearing. Pay attention to whether they have family or no family or they're going through something. Do they have parents living with them? There's all ways that you can find ways to engage with your customers. So that moves us on to customer engagement. I personally learned what worked effectively with my own target audience by observing what my competition was doing on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Rather than myself experiencing, well, experimenting, sorry, with the type 
of social media content I wanted to deliver or the time of day and frequency of the kind of content I wanted to deliver. I really saw how some of my competitors were delivering content and how their followers and fans responded. So if I had a similar target audience, this saved me a lot of trial run and resources, et cetera, et cetera. So I would see the kind of posts that really resonated with their clients. And then I would test it on my clients. So I'm not saying that I copied their posts, but for example, if I saw someone was doing a lot of tutorials and people really resonated with tutorials, I was like, oh, maybe tutorials are a great thing. Let's see how it resonates with our clientele. If I saw people were really getting high engagements, comments, et cetera, with questions, let's do that. Or videos versus pictures. There's all sorts of way that you, ways that you can gleam what your competitors are doing. And now with the tr- page transparency on Facebook, you can actually go right into a competitor's account and look at their ad platform and see the ads that they are running if they're running any ads what type of content they put out, whether they're using still photos or videos. And this is not copying. This is free and open advice. The same way you can go on Zillow and find out what someone paid for their house. This is open and out there and someone can do the same for you. All right. So it's, again, it's just another way that you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And again, ain't no one got time for that. So let's see, number four, what does your target audience like and not like in a company? Have you seen their reviews on Google or Facebook or Yelp? Can you get a customer's perspective on their likes and dislikes and decide how can you stand out in a different way from what they are not liking? You can look at reviews and say that there were not showers. Well, maybe you can not, maybe showers is not something you can control, but if it is, you should promote that you have showers in your establishment. Maybe it's a type of class times that another location has that they really are not happy that they don't have 6am classes. Well, if you do, that's how you differentiate yourself for evening classes or weekend classes, or maybe a different language here in Miami, you know, having Spanish classes is great. So understanding what they like, do more of that. And what they don't like, do less of that is a great way to be able to engage with your customers. And number five, most importantly, how to differentiate from them. And this is the biggest thing I think we can learn from our competitors. So if you take a look at the top three competitors in your area and make a list of the similarities to you and the differences, right? Is there something they do that's right? Something they do that's wrong? And I don't know that it's wrong. I would say different than you. Spend some time thinking about how they look from the outside. How do you compare to what they look like? And what can you do to differentiate yourself from the pack? Use that in your marketing on your website to make yourself stand out. At Pilates in the Grove, we call this our three uniques. And we use it in all of our marketing, educational, and sales materials. At Pilates in the Grove, our three uniques, our, are education, engagement, and community. So basically what that means is we have highly educated people on our staff, doctors of physical therapy that are teaching our Pilates classes, postgraduate movement therapists that are here providing services. Okay. That's the type of education you get at our facility. Engagement 
we really, in the Pilates sector, we really teach mindful movement. While we're not a classical studio, we are true to the method. And we're really trying to get people to work out mindfully doing the exercises properly and correctly. On the physical therapy side, we are really looking for the underlying source of someone's you know, pain or problem or dysfunction. Maybe the pain is in the foot, but the problem is really coming from upward in their spine or in, in their hips, et cetera, et cetera. We are engaged with you from the beginning. And number three is community. Once you become part of the Pilates in the Grove community, you are part of our family. We lead you from whether it's physical therapy to wellness services to after you leave from us, we engage with people with um, newsletters, social media, free challenges. We're kind of your one-stop shop for all things health and wellness in our community. And those are our three unique. So specifically the fact that we have physical therapists teaching classes speaks to a lot of people that may have had injuries, maybe a population that has osteoporosis or surgeries, or maybe is just returning from pregnancy. And they really want a qualified practitioner to make sure that they're doing their exercises properly. Now to some people that might not make any difference to them, but to a certain population, it does. And that's the population we go after. One thing I want to say, do not make your differentiating factor price. Okay. You never want your customers to choose you solely because of price, because it's the fastest race to the bottom. Make sure that why they choose you is focused on something that's not really tangible and it's not price related. As a generalization, price-driven customers, they're not loyal. And what we want is loyal customers with a high customer lifetime value. So don't let your differentiating factor be price. All right, let's recap those five lessons. So number one is... Find out who offers the same services within a predetermined radius and go visit those studios or gyms and note your first impressions or policies and procedures and processes in those locations. Number two, maybe your competitors can help you find new opportunities in the marketplace. For example, are there new things that are coming out that you could start offering? How can you best engage with your customers through social? Find out what your target audience likes and doesn't like by looking at reviews on Yelp or Google for similar businesses. And most importantly, how do you differentiate yourself from your competitors? So basically what I'd like to say to you is rather than looking at your competitors as a threat, let's look at our competitors as a way for us to level up, keep us on our toes, keep us working towards the goal, which is to impact more lives right? And maybe accent, again, like I, like we're talking about today, they can teach us a little something about what we can offer in the marketplace. Maybe all of your competitors are doing something similar and you see something missing, an audience, a niche that's just underdeveloped that you can bring to that space. So that's the way, you know, I hope you got something out of this. I truly look at my competition as a way for me always to level up and a way for me to stay on my toes. So if you like what we covered today, I would love if you took the time to leave a quick, honest review. And actually, even better, if you took a screenshot of yourself listening to this 
podcast and post it on social media, making sure to tag me on Instagram. I'm at Krista Gurka and on Facebook, I'm Krista Gurka. MSPT, NCPT. It really, really helps me get this message out to more and more women who can create better lives for themselves, for their families, and for their communities by building profitable businesses. I will be back Friday with another Female Friday episode, my favorite days of the week. And until then, my friends, be strong, be brave, and go take inspired action. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Female Empowered. If you like what we covered today, please leave a review for the show. This helps other female fitness and wellness professionals find the podcast and lets me know I'm sharing helpful information with all of you. If you'd love to get even more insights and find resources to help you market, streamline, and grow your clinic or client-based business, you can visit me at kristagurka.com or follow me on Instagram at kristagurka. That's at C-H-R-I-S-T-A-G-U-R-K-A. See y'all next time.